If you have your Bibles, we're turning to 2 Timothy and chapter 1, reading from verse 3, 2 Timothy chapter 1, and we're going to read from verse 3 down through uh, to verse 7. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 through to 7. Amen. Let's pray together as we turn to God's Word this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come, we ask for your help, for your anointing. Lord, that you move by your power, that you would stir our hearts this morning by the Holy Spirit, we pray. Lord, that you would take, Lord, the stammering lips of a man, Lord, and you would speak, Lord. And Lord, that you would give his ears to hear. Oh, Father, we cry on to you. Lord, even, Lord, we have come this morning, Lord, needing to hear a word from thee, Lord. And we ask, Lord, that you would stir every heart this morning, Lord. Lord, that you would quicken the smoldering embers, Lord. Lord, that you would breathe upon us today. Lord, that you would have your way in the midst, O oh God. Lord, we just glorify your name. And everything that's said and done, that your name would be lifted up. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said it. Amen. Praise the Lord. Second uh, Timothy chapter 1, and we're going to read from verse 3. I thank God, whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers day and night, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lewis and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind." And we know the Lord will bless the reading of his word this morning. We uh, understand that God works and has laws that he has put in place, uh, both spiritually and naturally. Uh, There is a seed time and there is the harvest and that operates in the natural and it also happens in the spiritual. In Genesis chapter 8 and verse 22, it says there, while the earth remaineth, There will be seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. What happens in the natural, of course, also happens in the spiritual. There are seasons with God. There are seasons in God. And we are believing the Lord for a change in the season. Man may say, as Stephen has brought to us this morning, it's faced out. But God changes the season and gives the increase. Then the nets are full. We're not looking to man. We're not looking to methods. We're not looking to the apparatus of men. We're looking to the God who gives the increase. The change in those seasons, when they come, are often and nearly always, as far as I can see it, revealed by God through prophetic revelation to His servants. I want to say that again. Before that season changes, God will reveal his heart into the hearts of his people. For those who are walking with him, for those who are in that place with him, they will hear the probings of the Holy Spirit. And God would reveal the very heart of God into their hearts about what he is going to do. Now, we're going to look this morning at the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And it is important, you'll probably say, where is he going here? Just stay with me. But we need the gifts of the Holy Ghost today to be in operation in the church of Jesus Christ. Um, Never like today are we needing an infusion of God, the Holy Spirit, and the awakening of the gifts of the Holy Ghost for the function in the way that God would desire the church to function. Most people or a lot of people would be afraid of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I don't believe that we need to fear the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I believe we need to desire the gifts of the Holy Spirit. When the gifts of the Holy Spirit are functioning, when the unsaved come in and they're functioning correctly and in the right order according to God's Word, uh, when the prophetic Word and when prophecy is given, 
than those that are unsaved among us when they hear the prophetic utterance. They will know as the secrets of their heart are made manifest, as is in 1 Corinthians 14, that the secrets of their heart will be made manifest and they will know that God is in the midst of us and they will fear God. So we need the manifestation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit to function in the day in which we are living in to reveal the secrets of men's hearts for God to move by His Spirit. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, if you turn over into these chapters, we'll look at a few things just as we go through it. There are nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. And those gifts are mentioned in 1 Corinthians. And in the 12th chapter, you'll Paul deals with the gifts of the Holy Ghost in chapter 12, chapter 13, and chapter 14. Chapter 13 is the great love chapter, but it is important that we note that is in the context of the teaching on the gifts of the Holy Spirit that Paul brings us that great revelation on love. I've often heard it said or often heard it quoted that people will sometimes use chapter 13 if though in opposition to the gifts. Paul was not writing chapter 13 to oppose the gifts. He was setting the context in which the gifts should function. That's the love of God. If you just, let me show you what I mean by that. If you go into chapter 14, the opening verse there, he says then after that great chapter, follow after charity. And then he says, and desire spiritual gifts. So this morning, under the instruction of the Holy Spirit and God's Word, is there a desire in your heart for the gifts of the Holy Ghost to function in your life and in the body? Amen? I pray there is. There's a desire for spiritual gifts. Now, as we come into chapter 12, just going back, verses 8 through to 11, you'll find there the gifts of the Holy Ghost recorded. And it says, For one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another the faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues, but all these worketh that one and the selfsame Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. Now, it is commonly known that the nine gifts of the Holy Ghost are categorized in the three different categories. There is the revelation gifts, there is the demonstration gifts, and there is the utterance gifts. So the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge are revelation. God brings the revelation as the gift is imparted in the body of Christ. And there's a revelation that comes, whether it's a word of wisdom, whether it's a word of knowledge. Also, the discerning of spirits is normally put into that category. But friends, if ever there was a day we needed the gift of discerning of spirits, it's today. It's so important. It is necessary. When we put them in the category, sometimes we try to load them off into one side, into this side. But we need the discerning of the gifts. We need the discerning of spirits more than ever before. If the Bible, which is absolutely true, tells us that in the last days there will be seductive spirits that will function, there will be lying signs and wonders, how many people know that we need the discerning of spirits, that gift? of the Holy Ghost, Paul says we should desire spiritual gifts. So we need to understand that when we're looking at the function and the, and the gifts of the Holy Ghost, when we're operating and when we're relying on the Lord for God to work by His Spirit, these are the gifts of the Holy Spirit that are for the body of Christ, for us to function together as we come together. But not only that, we need to be able to draw on and use and believe in and depend on the Holy Spirit when we're operating on the outreaches throughout this week in the Shankill Road. Have you ever been in a situation where someone's pouring out their life to you and it's so dark, such a mess, that you nearly feel helpless or feel hopeless in what you can say? That's when we need 
a, a revelation from God to speak into that life. That it isn't just words or isn't just something that we're trying to conjure up. But it is a word from the very throne of God. And so that's the revelation that comes by those gifts. The word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. Then there's the, the gifts that are the demonstration. That's the gift of faith. The gifts of healing. And the working of miracles. Thank God for the working of miracles. The gift of healing. And the gift of faith. Friends, are you desiring spiritual gifts? With all the desires that there are in this world, with all the things that people run after, Paul says, follow after love. But I would want you to desire these gifts. And if ever we need the function of these gifts, I believe it's today. Now, I believe they've been misused, and I also believe that they're disused. But that doesn't mean this morning that we shouldn't desire them and believe for God to move and to move in them to the glory of Jesus Christ. And then we have the utterance gifts, prophecy, the diverse tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. People often say, especially who have never heard tongues before, come into the church and says, I don't know what they're saying. Well, none of us know what they're saying when you speak in tongues. Because it's a heavenly language, but God knows what they're saying. And when there's the gift of tongues, it's important. I've heard it said, I thought all yous were mad when I heard people speaking in tongues. Paul actually said that. They will think you're mad if there's not an interpretation of the gift of tongues. There's also tongues that edify the individual. So in a prayer time, I just want to encourage you, if it's new to you, in the prayer time, if you hear someone Praying in tongues. Paul said, I pray in the understanding and I also pray in the spirit. He says, I pray or I sing in the understanding and I also sing in the spirit. That's the edification for the individual. It doesn't edify the whole body. But when there's a gift of tongues given, that someone brings forth a tongue, and you'll know when a tongue is given, it's important then that that tongue then, that the gift of interpretation, it's not the gift of translation. I've heard people say, well, you know, he gave a tongue that was five minutes long, and she gave an interpretation that was ten seconds long. How does that translation work? It's not a translation, it's an interpretation. Do you understand what I'm saying? So this morning, when we come to these gifts and understanding the diverse tongues, the interpretation of tongues, and also prophecy, I'm going to come more just along that line in a moment. The utterance that is given, Paul said that he would desire that all of us would prophesy, bring forth. So there's a word of knowledge that God would give to an individual, and under the gift of prophecy, they begin to utter what God would be saying. And I'm going to bring the guidelines to help us in that, because there are biblical guidelines to keep the order in these things. But in all of this, there are these gifts of the Holy Ghost. For the most part, I think you'll agree with me, that largely the gifts of the Holy Ghost are dormant today. They're dormant today. That doesn't mean that they're not there. I believe the Holy Spirit imparts and gives the gifts of the Holy Spirit into the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. But what it does mean is that there are gifts that are in this body and every member of the body. That's, you're a member of the body of Christ. Not that you've signed the sheet in membership. You're a member of the body of Christ if you're born again of the Spirit of God. And so the Holy Spirit imparts into the body, we'll come to it in a minute, I'll show you, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. In other words, young person, if you're saved this morning, the Holy Spirit's desire is to put a gift, the giftings of God into your life for the purpose of the edifying of the body, for the glory of Jesus Christ, to use your life for His glory. Well, I'm nothing. That's great. That's a good place to start. It's much easier if you are. Because the gifts operate when there's true humility. Because the grace of God brings, brings the impartation of the gifts of God. And the Bible tells us that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So one of the foundations for the gifts to function is going to be humility in our lives. In order that the Holy Spirit has free flow and the gifts of God are going to operate in your life. 
I want to encourage you this morning. The gifts of God, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are for every believer in this room. Not just for some people, not just for the people at the front or the people... Everyone in this room, if you're called of God, you're washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, then the gifts of the Holy Spirit is for you. This is not a denominational thing. This is a biblical thing. So the gifts of the Holy Ghost, you know and I know, largely today are land dormant. In 1 Corinthians 14, we've already just touched on it. I want to, before I move further into the message, bring some guidelines and some scriptural correction as Paul was correcting the church at Corinth where there was severe abuse of the gifts. In 1 Corinthians 14, it says, follow after charity, desire spiritual gifts, but rather, he says, that ye prophesy, for he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him, howbeit in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. But he that prophesies speaketh unto men, And this is the purpose that you will speak to the edification, the exhortation, and the comfort. That's for the body. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue, he's edifying himself, but he that prophesieth edifieth the church. So when the Holy Ghost is moving, the gift is operating, particularly in the area of prophecy, then that purpose of that prophecy is to edify and to exhort and to comfort the church of Jesus Christ. In verse 27, I'm just dealing with the whole area of tongues so people understand the function and the order of tongues. If any man speak, in the same chapter there, 1 Corinthians 14, 27, if any man speak in an unknown tongue, now we're speaking about the gift of tongues, not when we're praying in tongues in a a time of prayer. We're talking in particular the gift of tongues. Now the order is this, let it be by two or at the most by three. And that by course, let one person interpret the gift of tongues. So one will interpret if there's two or three tongues given in one meeting, then one person will bring the interpretation of what is said. In verse 28 it says, But if there be no interpreter, then it keeps silent in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. In verse 29 it says, Let the prophets speak two or three and let the others judge. The gift of prophecy. And this is where I'm coming to just to bring some guidelines scripturally in this and also the order of God in everything that we do. Here we see the gift of prophecy. Let the prophets speak two or three and let the others judge. So if there's a prophetic word that's given, it's really important that that prophetic word is opened to be judged. It's really important. There are too many people that have been given a word, have not brought that to leadership for it to be prayed over or to be judged, acted on that word that someone, just anyone somewhere has given them, and on the basis of that have made decisions that's brought shipwreck. That's why there's a leadership and there's an order in the church of Jesus Christ. So if there's a prophetic word that you're given, it's really important that that word is judged. It's really important that that word is prayed over. It says there in verse 31, For ye may all prophesy one by one, that all may learn, that all may be comforted. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. Has anyone ever heard someone say in church life, all the years of your church life, I just had to say God told me I couldn't help myself. That's wrong. And that's dangerous. This is what it says here. The spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. Prophecy, prophetic words. Peter says in 2 Peter 1.20 that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. So it's very important. That's what the body's for. Revelations, you know, I've met some people that have more revelations than the Apostle John. But listen, revelations must be brought in and they must be judged in the leadership and in the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the safety checks. That's important. Either through interpretation of tongues or revealed through the gift of wisdom 
and knowledge and utterance given by that gift of prophecy, by the Holy Ghost, this precious function of the gifts of the Spirit are needed in the church today. It must be subject always to the revelation of God. That's God's Word. Always it's subject to God's Word. And so revelation concerning the context of church, it's working, it's planting, it's sending, has to be, must be, brought in the subjection, the judgment, particularly in the leadership of a church. Now, the reason why I say that is because people will be, in their desire to serve God, will be manipulated sometimes by people saying, listen, this is a good idea. I really feel this is of the Lord. You should do this. That's going to affect the body of Christ, the local assembly. I want to tell you, friend, if anyone ever comes and says that to you, the first thing you say is, have you talked to the leadership about this? Because then people begin to make decisions and move out without actually bringing it before a leadership of a church. And this church is ready to send. Listen, this church is ready to send. But there is an order in God. This is a precaution to everything of what we're talking about and what we're going to move into in a moment. But this is important, friends, that there's the guidelines that Paul has set out. Psalm 25, verse 14. This is what it says. Psalm 25 and verse 14. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear Him, and He will show them His covenant. If ever we need a revelation of the heart of God for the hour in which we're living in, it's right now. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear Him, And he will show them his covenant. When the change is about to come, God brings the revelation of his heart and his purpose. And he will reveal it to his people, those who are listening and those who are walking in his way. In Amos 3 and verse 7, if you turn over, it says these words, Amos 3 and verse 7. Surely the Lord God will do nothing but he revealeth his secret unto his servants, the prophets. Now, some might say, well, is that not referring to the Old Testament prophets? It is, but it's not exclusively the Old Testament prophets. Surely the Lord will do nothing, but he revealeth his secret unto his servants, the prophets. When God is about to move, when God is about to do something in the purpose and the eternal plan of God, God brings that revelation to his servants. Now, I'm not talking about just someone standing here. God will bring that into that body, into that remnant. He'll reveal in their hearts what he's about to do. The the prophets of the old and understanding that there are prophets in the new are the gift of prophecy. In Ephesians 4, if you turn over and verse 8, these now are the, the offices and the giftings that God puts in the body of Jesus Christ. By the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians 4 and verse 8, if you turn over just so that we understand that this fivefold ministry, which I believe it's five, some say it's four, but I believe it's a fivefold ministry, is given to the body of Christ for the purpose of the unity of the faith. But here it reads, Ephesians 4 and 8, wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive, he gave gifts unto men. Now he ascended, what is that? But that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth. He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might fill all things. And this is what he did. And he gave some apostles. Now, I don't believe that's the apostles as in the first 12. I believe that word apostle are the sent ones. Missionaries. The church needs to send. We're looking apostles to go. He says not only apostles. He said there are some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. And the purpose of this fivefold ministry. And is this your desire? For the perfecting of the saints. For the work of the ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come into the unity of faith 
and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, is that our desire this morning? Church, this morning, let me ask you, are you looking for the saints to be perfected? We're not perfect, but we're being perfected. Isn't that right? Are we looking this morning, brothers and sisters, for the work of the ministry to prosper? Are we looking this morning for the edification of the body of Christ? Are we looking for the unity of the faith amongst the saints of God? Are we longing for the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, the measure of the stature of the fullness of Jesus Christ? So the Holy Spirit will bring these gifts into the body of Christ. I'm looking across this body. I know God... Uh, uh, has put into this body these giftings, not only the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, but these particular giftings to the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. They're not titles. They're, they're functions that God gives into that body. I know people focus on the titles, but I'm not really interested in the titles. It's the function of what God has placed in that body. So let me put it this way this morning. I'm looking across this gathering and let me tell you, friends, this morning, I believe this with everything, that in this gathering there are apostles, that in this gathering this morning there are prophets, there are evangelists, there are pastors, there are teachers. Some of you may not even know that yet, but God, by the Holy Spirit, it's not something you learn in Bible school. It's something that comes by way of the Holy Ghost. So there could be sitting among us this morning a young person, and sitting here this morning might feel as though they're dead, and, and just empty and everything. But when the Holy Ghost begins to move in that young life. Or that older person that maybe feels. Well it's all over. It's done and dusted. I'm just ready to go home. But just maybe this morning the Holy Ghost. Could move in this gathering. And impart that gift into your life. And so suddenly we realize the potential there is in God. That if we allow the Holy Spirit to truly function as he desires then God would awaken the gifts that are in men and women in this room this morning. Gifts that are dormant and some gifts that have not even been realized that they're there. And so now we understand that the prophetic revelation, you know, I'm sure like you, I've had a lot of prophetic revelations given over the years. I've developed a recycle bin in my mind. And as a right click down the delete in the recycle bin, the odd time, then you have to just delete the whole lot. But there is the reality. You know, I remember one time a man picked me up in a BMW 330D. It was brand new. He says, come on, I want to take you a drive. I went, this is amazing. Jumped into the car, took me up the same field road. He says, where do, you, where do you feel this? Stuck the boot down, G-force, everything. I had a fringe then. It went up as well. He said, what do you think? I said, this is amazing. He says, I want to tell you something. God's got one of these for you. He wasn't me, going to give me his keys. But it's nonsense. Do you understand what I mean? People love that because it feeds on that flesh, that desire of the, of the natural world. And it, this goes under the aspect of prophetic utterance. Friends, it's pathetic. That's what it is. It's pathetic. We're, 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 we're feeding on that fleshly, carnal desire for the things of the earth. We need the reality of the gifts of the Holy Ghost. Not because we want something in the material, but we want to see God move in His great power. And the gifts of the Holy Ghost to function in the order of God. We have run away from them. I, I confess to you, because of the abuse of it, you go... We just need to keep it very narrow. But friends, I, I do believe we need to allow God to move by a spirit. But there's an order in all of this. We must know there's an order. And if it goes out of order, you must know that this leadership team will correct that. And say, no, that is not in the order of God. Because we need to mature to a place where we just cannot say things that are foolish. And cause people to go off being. And friends, that has happened. It's happened in this church. A man sat with me many years ago. He had a prophetic picture that he wanted to draw for me. You know, I had to sit there and he was going to, you know, he was, you know, I don't know, what did you call uh, heart to heart or whatever, morph. And he had to do this whole picture. I had to sit 
while he drew a picture to tell me that God has revealed to him that within a few years this church would be closed. It's all over. He drew some of you. He told me what was going to happen. And I just put that bit of paper and I've got a good bin in the kitchen. I put it in the bin. He believed he was speaking for God. And friends, he was not speaking for God and he's never come back to say, I got that wrong, brother. And he's sitting in another church today and I wonder how many more pictures he's drawn and maybe someone he might have destroyed. So we need a maturity when we come to address the prophetic utterances and the words of knowledge that God would give. In all honesty, I can tell you, I pray that it would increase But I would say over the last 13 years, 14 years, that I would say that I could count in two hands the prophetic utterances that I have believed are actually from God. But I was counting many were given. I haven't got enough fingers and toes. But in those years, I know God has spoken directly into our lives at times in the most unique places. People didn't know anything about us. A man coming up to us, standing in the street, and begin to prophesy under the unction of the Holy Ghost and told us everything that was happening and warned us of everything that was going to happen, but told us at the end, fear not, because God's with you. And we've held those words, and those words have come to pass. That's how I know they were real. Friends, this morning, there's the reality of these gifts. They need to function. It's not going to work on the basis of trying to gratify our selfish desire. Even in ministry, I want to bring this warning because again, I've seen this. Even in the desire to be used in ministry, people will manipulate that. Give wee words on the side, thinking that they have that insight into your life. I want to tell you something. When God came to us, and spoke to us for concerning Balnehenge. God had already told us what we should do. He was just confirming it. Do you understand what I'm saying? God was already dealing with us when they came with those prophetic utterances to men. We already knew it was going to happen. And so it's important that there's checks and balances in the prophetic utterance. God is speaking. And God reveals to us his desire and he will reveal his heart and he will reveal his purpose to those that are open and believing. And when God wants to say something to you, friend, God will speak. In 1 Corinthians 14, Paul says this, If any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, Let him, this is what he said, let him acknowledge that the things I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. In other words, the order that I am laying down in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, if a man says I'm a prophet and he's spiritual, then he'll say this is the word of the Lord and he'll function by that. If a man says I don't need to function by this because I believe the Lord's telling me this, then I want to tell your friends, it's not from the Lord. It's not from the Lord. It's serious because you know and I know the amount of shipwrecks there are in lives today because people have said, I have a word. And they give that word, and that word isn't from the Lord. It's from their own spirit. It's not from the Holy Spirit. And now we find people sitting in homes today who have been influenced to go and do something, but they're nowhere in God. Who takes responsibility for that? And so it's serious. Prophetic revelation comes and we need the reality of it. And when we look over time, we find that when the season is about to change, God begins to speak and stir hearts about the changes about to come. Can I tell you something, friends? One of the greatest things that encourages me about this work, one of the greatest things that encourages me about this work is that we are all from every walk of life and every type of denomination, aren't we? We're, we're a bit of a, all sorts. You don't mind me saying that. We're not like all the same. We're very diverse. Would you say amen? It's okay. We're different. We're from every walk of life. But you know what I've found with every single one of you? 
when I talk to you about the things of God and when you talk to each other, we begin to talk about the desire of God, what I find the most amazing thing that could only be God, the Holy Spirit, that we're all longing to see God moved by the Holy Ghost. How could that happen? Is that the manufacture of a man? Could not be. Could anyone put us together? Could you ever imagine that you were ever being in Balnehinch? It's okay. I never thought I'd be in Balnehinch. But we're here by the grace of God. God has brought us together. And when I talk, I know we're different in many different ways, but there's a common desire. We'll need to see God move by His Spirit. We're longing for a change of this season. We want to see souls saved. We want to see an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. We want to see the church raised up out of all the mess triumphant in her Lord, marching through this land, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, soul saved, Christ glorified, and a church full of the Holy Ghost. How did God bring that all about? Friends, just this picture of us here is pictures of this all over this island. We groups of people that are longing for the exactly same thing that we, we're not the only ones. There is a remnant and there's 7,000 that have not bowed the knee to Baal, but they're longing for a move of God. Now God's about to move. And every time he's about to move, he brings the secret of his heart and reveals him to his people. If you go back in the Exodus chapter 5, you're reading there in those first few chapters, there's a man by the name of Moses. We know the story so well. And we know the life that he lived, the trials that he went through, and how he was preserved from a baby and the bulrushes brought in the Pharaoh's palace, raised in the palace 40 years, believing that something came into his heart at that time to see his people delivered. He murders them, the, 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 the Egyptian soldiers. He's run into the wilderness. He's 40 years in the wilderness. And then he comes by the burning bush that day. And now he is drawn by the Holy Ghost. God is about to reveal his heart to a man in the wilderness. He's 80 years old. He's forgotten about. Nobody knows him. He's just right at the backside of the desert. And now God is about to reveal his heart to a man called Moses who could hardly speak. His brother had to come with him. But God was going to use him mightily. So now there's a prophetic revelation given into the heart of Moses. Moses, I've heard the cry of my people. And I want you to go with a word from the throne of God. Now we see a man walking down the wilderness. Everyone's forgotten about him. The posters that were up for him wanted have worn out. But he's coming now. He's auctioned. He's instructed. He has the heart of God. He's the secrets of the Father. He's a word for Pharaoh. Pharaoh, let my people go. God revealed the secret of his heart to a stammering man at the 80 years old at the backside of a desert and said, Moses, it's time. Friends, so the prophetic utterance comes and the revelation comes to a man who's frail. He was mighty in word and deed at the age of 40, but now at the age of 80, he's weak. He's weak in himself, and now God says, you're ready for me to use you. I've worked everything out of you, but now I'm going to put into you the very word that's going to set men free. Go to Pharaoh, and you tell him, Exodus chapter 5, he walked into that, that throne room of Pharaoh and said, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, let my people go. Before he was ever going to loose them, he revealed the secret of his heart to a man? Would you pick Moses? Would the church today pick Moses? He's not really able to speak. He's a bit frail. He's 80. He's past it. He should be drawn to pension. He should retire. He should just hang up the boots. It's all over. I tell you, friends, what man rejects is what God picks up and is what God uses. You think of Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 16. In verse 29, the backdrop of all of this time, in 1 Kings 16, 29, it says, And in the thirty and eighth year of Asa the king of Judah began Ahab the son of Omri to reign over Israel. 1 Kings 16, 29. And Ahab the son of Ebra, Omri sorry, reigned over Israel and Samaria twenty and two years. 
And Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him, came to pass as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, that he took to wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbiel, king of the Sidonians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. He reared up, reared up an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. And Ahab made a grove, and Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that were born before him. If there ever was a wicked day, it was right here. And friends, if there's ever a day that we're in deep wickedness, it's right now. But look what happens. You open chapter 17. Now you find, it just says these words, and Elijah the Tishbite, the prophet of the Lord, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, comes to Ahab, and this is what he says, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be June or rain these years, but according to my word. I've got a word for you, Ahab. I've come from the presence of the Lord, and he's revealed his heart to me, and I'm here to tell you today, there's not going to be any rain in this place until I say so. What a boldness. What's happened? God spoke to him. Israel's backslidden. And you'll note the pattern in everything of what I'm saying today. Every time the revelation comes, I tell you what it's for. It's not to promote a ministry. It's not to elevate a man. But it's always to deliver his people. It's always to save precious souls. We read of Elijah and we know that he was a man of like passions as we are. But yet God would reveal his secret to him. And God would use him mightily. In Acts chapter 27 in the New Testament, we read there of Paul the Apostle. In case you thought it was just confined to the old. But in Acts 27 and verse 9, they're all on a boat. And now they're traveling from Crete. And just for time's sake, we'll just get... To the point, but in Acts 27, verse 9, now when much time was spent, when the sailing was now dangerous, because the fast was now already past, Paul admonished them and said unto them, What did he say? He's revealed, he has a secret revealed to him from the very heart of God. Sirs, right in the midst of all this mess, all these prisoners, sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the leading and ship, but also of our lives. Paul the Apostle reveals, brings the revelation, the prophetic revelation. Listen, men, all of you, I'm not a, he's not, he said, I'm not the captain of this boat. I don't know about shipping. He was a tent maker, but he's revealed, it's revealed to him by the Holy Ghost. This journey is going to be with much hurt and much damage. And they didn't believe him. It says in verse 11, Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. But God was about to move on that ship. Shipwreck was coming, but men were going to be saved. In that ship, God would bring the revelation. In your workplace, God will bring the revelation to your heart, what he desires to do. In Ballinahinch, God will bring the revelation of what he desires to do. On the Shankill mission this week, God wants to move by his great power. And he wants to bring his revelation to our hearts of what he desires to do. Moving into just the likeness of today. In Esther chapter 4. If you turn back, if you could, and just want to focus on this this morning a wee bit before we move forward. In Esther chapter 4 and verse 1 and 2, we read there, Now the whole of the enemy's kingdom under Haman is working for the destruction of the Jews. You see, every time in this destruction was coming to people, God, who is rich in mercy, reveals a secret to the heart of a man or a woman that individual acts in obedience to God. God moves in delivering power and people are saved. Here we see Haman as the pinnacle of that kingdom. An incarnate devil, if you like, was going to destroy the Jewish people. In verse 1 of chapter 4, it says, Now when Mordecai perceived all 
that was done. There was a revelation, not just as he understood what was going on around him. Now there's a revelation, there's a perception of what the enemy is seeking to do. You know, I've listened to asking different ones about this week and the door to door and what you've heard and what you've picked up and what you understand and what's being said. And friends, if, if our perception out of all of what we have heard throughout this whole week is not that the enemy has completely ravished and destroyed that neighborhood on the Shankill Road, if we don't grasp that the enemy nearly has had his day with lives, everywhere around us, nearly in every door, Nicky called to the door, and the man's brother and the man's uncle both have taken their own lives just in one house. And I know that you've come across countless like that on those doors. Lives that are broken. You know the refreshing thing about it for me is you're not walking into a place where everyone's trusting in their material possessions. There's not the facade of a, of a world. You know when you go to some of our neighborhoods up around this area and you're walking up, they all need saved, don't get me wrong. The, 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 the good, the bad, and the ugly, everyone needs saved. But you're walking up pristine driveways, beautiful gardens, fancy cars, go to church on a Sunday, and you have to wade through all the religion and all the material possessions. But when you're down there and somebody opens the door, you're seeing a man for who he is. There is no facade. And praise be to Jesus this morning, the poor heard him gladly. The poor heard him gladly. You know, the man with the big house needs to save as much as the man with the wee house. I'm not saying that. But, you know, it's harder for a rich man when he's trusting in his good living. You know, it all looks good. It sounds good. He's a member of the church. He's on the committee. He's an elder. He's a deacon. And he goes golfing on Saturday. He's in all the societies. He's in the Orange Order. He's in the Black Preceptory. He's such a respectable man. And you have to wade through all this religious nonsense but when a man opens the door and he's shaking because he's on so much medication and there's nothing in the wee house and there's no material possessions, I tell your friends, the poor heard him gladly. You don't have to work through all, all that death, all that religious jargon. And here Mordecai's perceiving what the enemy has done. In verse 13, he sends a word to Esther. Now Esther, in many respects, is she's just in the in the beauty salon, if you like. She's getting her nails done. She's got the rose petal treatment. She's getting well looked after. You know, she's having a wee spa day. Everything's fine. That's the way it was. She's being beautified for the king. She's being well looked after. She's a beautiful girl. But then the word of the Lord has to come right into the king's palace. And so he sends the commandment in verse 13. and says, Mordecai command, commanded the Esther, answer Esther, think not within thyself that you'll escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. For if thou altogether hold your peace at this time, then shall enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. Listen, Mordecai knew the secret of God. He knew the heart of God. Deliverance is coming. Now Esther, you're going to either be part of this or not. But if you say, I don't want to be part of it, then I want to tell you something. He knew that God's still going to bring deliverance for his people. And friends, this morning we can wrap ourselves in our cotton wool and in all the things that we do, but friends, this morning deliverance is coming. And so he cries out to Esther. Thank God she responds. In Esther 5 and 17, look at the enemy at work. And friends, you might have heard the hammer blows throughout this week. As the enemy builds your gallows, he's building them high. It tells that Suresh, his wife, Haman's wife, and all his friends said unto him, That gallows be made fifty cubits high. Tomorrow speak unto the king that Mordecai may be hanged thereon. Then go thou and merrily with the king unto the banquet. And the thing pleased Haman, and he caused the gallows to be made. You know, I think I've mentioned it before. Someone reminded me a couple of weeks ago. Have you ever seen the wee the wee Western movies where they walk out into the street and they're about to draw and then the wee undertaker runs out and he measures them before the shoot. It's like the enemy's measuring you up. Time's up. Or maybe in my case it's not. Haman's building the gallows, friends. I want to tell you something. The enemy may press in hard 
You might hear the hammering of those gallows being built. Your name might even be on it. But thank God there's a God in heaven. It says in Esther 6 and 1, this is what it says, On that night could not the king sleep. I tell you, friends, you think your prayers are going nowhere, God's not hearing your prayers. On that night could not the king sleep. God can take sleep away from eyes. God can bring conviction of sin. Every wee door that's been wrapped, every invitation that's gone through, every conversation that's been had. They go home at night time, they're laying their head down in that pillow. They're about to close their eyes. Thank God for Holy Ghost conviction. On that night, the king could not sleep. He opens those records, finds that Mordecai hasn't been rewarded for a good deed that he'd done years ago. Can you even believe this? Isn't God amazing? And suddenly now he's awakened. What happened to Mordecai? Mordecai's name's on the gallows. Haman's about to get him hung. And now the king is awakened to the labor of Mordecai. And God's about to intervene. This is the God that we serve. These revelations that come are from the Holy Spirit of God. You'll notice that in all these revelations that come, the purpose was the salvation of souls in Egypt, Mount Carmel, the Jews in Mordecai's day, and a shipload of prisoners with Paul. These revelations come, Matthew 16. It's not by flesh and blood are these things revealed, but it is by the Holy Spirit. The revelation of the heart of God into the heart of man by the Holy Spirit revealing that there is a change about to come, a warning, a deliverance for the purposes of God. The tragedy of our day has been the misuse of the gifts, but also the disuse of the gifts. The disuse of the gifts. They're not used. The gifts of the Holy Spirit. Paul writes to Timothy and says in 2 Timothy 1 and 5, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned that word unfeigned is, is a powerful word. It means a sincerity in that heart. When Paul recognized Timothy, he said, there's a sincerity in you. You're not a perfect man, but there's a sincerity. It's without dissimulation. That means that it's not hypocrisy. It's not that you're trying to be something that you're not. It's not that you're trying to be way up there, but you're not really that. It's not that you're trying to be all a spiritual facade, but inside you're not that. He's saying, Timothy, there's a sincerity of faith in you. And he says, faith, that faith is in you. It dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice. We see here the wonderful generational blessings in God, that godly heritage that so many families have, which is in thee by the booting on of my hands. For God he says, wherefore I put thee in remembrance that you stir up the gift of God. I'm just coming to a close in a couple of minutes. To stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the booting on of my hands. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. His instruction was, Timothy, you stir up the gift of God that's in you. The gift of God that's in you. Believer this morning, I want to tell you, every believer in this room, God has a gift in your life. Every believer. Let me ask you this morning, is that gift functioning? Don't put your hand up. Don't say anything. Just, I'm asking you, is the gifts, is the gift functioning in your life? Paul writes, Timothy, stir up the gift of God. The gift of God that's in you. For God to reveal. You know friends. We need the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We need the gifts of the Holy Spirit. If ever before. That I believed. That I'm preaching God's word. It's this morning. And I'll tell you why. Last night I spent two hours. Called to a house. Walked into that home. And the rope's hanging over the banister. There's a man saying. I'm finishing this tonight. I want to tell you something. I'm not going to rub his back or just say everything's going to be okay. i got to know what I'm going to say is not from me, but it's from God. 
And we need to know in this day, if ever before we need a word, a word from this throne for people, it's today. He wants to know, can I say a prayer so we can do it and go to heaven? I said, I will not say a prayer to make you believe that you can hang yourself over this banister and you can go to heaven. But I'll take you to Luke chapter 16. And when Lazarus died, he lifted up his eyes when he was in hell. I don't know whether he's alive or dead this morning, but I want to tell you something, friend. we got to know that when we speak, that we are speaking for God. we got to have a word and season to a people that's all around us that are plummeting into the depths of hell and have nowhere to turn. We need to know that when we're speaking, that we're not just saying something out of our intellect, but that God, the Holy Spirit, is coming upon us and out of our weakness and out of our frailty, that we'll speak a word of life into those circumstances that are dead and impossible. If ever there needed to be a stirring up of the gifts of the Holy Ghost in every life, it's this morning. That word stir up means that the remains of a fire or the embers be rekindled again. Let me ask you, friend, this morning, is the fire burning in your heart? Are you ablaze for Jesus? Are you coming in this morning and on the outward, that's the way it is. It's just all outward. But in your heart this morning, you're empty and you're broken and you're tired and the embers, it's just smoldering embers. Well, Paul said, Timothy, and he said it to us this morning, we got to stir up the gift of God. The wind has to blow. The fire has to be rekindled. The power and the passion of God must be in our lives again. The remains of a fire, the embers, that by which the fire is kindled on you or light or, or a pair of bellows that are used as the wind begins to blow and that fire becomes alive again and it begins to blaze. The Hebrew equivalent of this word is found in Genesis chapter 45 and verse 26. Jacob believes his son's dead. It's without hope. His brothers return in verse 26 and says, Jacob, father, Joseph, he's alive. He's the governor over all the land of Egypt. It says that Jacob's heart fainted, for he did not believe them. Verse 27 says, And they told him all the words of Joseph, which he had said unto them. And then this is what it says, And when he saw the wagons which Joseph had sent to carry him, here's the same word to stir up, the spirit of Jacob, their father, was revived. There was a awakening in his heart. There was a stirring in his bones. The fire of God came back. My son is alive. The gifts to function require the spirit of humility. The grace of God enables the gifts. And the grace is only given to the humble in heart. But this morning, if you're willing to say, God, it's near out. It's cold. It's indifferent. The ambers are just smoldering. Let me tell you, friend, stir up the gift of God within you. Let the fire of God burn again. It's not the day to go out. It's the day to burn the brighter. The saddest hour in which we live, the reason the gifts lie dormant. Friends, this morning, because the fire is out in so many lives. It's just a smoldering ember. And if ever we need the gifts of the Holy Ghost and the revelation of the heart of God for a world that's broken, I want to tell you, friends, it's this morning and it's right now. We need the fire of God. Jacob's spirit revived. Do you need revival? We know the nation needs it. We know the church needs it. We know our families need it. Let me ask you, friend, do you need it? And do I need it? Do we need revival? Is it just smoldering embers? God, this morning, God wants to reveal his heart 
of what he's about to do in this land. Deliverance is coming. Friends, do you want to be a part of that? Do you want to be a part of that? Then stir up. Now, onus is on you this morning. Stir up. You know, that can come in a song. It can come in a prayer. It can come in an altar time. It can come when you're driving home. It can come in your kitchen floor. It can come on your living room floor. It can come when you're lying on your bed. But I want to tell you something. We need to stir up the gift of God. Young people, God has a gift and a purpose and a plan for your life. Well, I'm not intellectual. I tell you, it's a big bonus. It helps sometimes. I'm not saying if you are intellectual, please don't be offended. But let me tell you, sometimes it's easier just to believe him rather than going through all the jargon and all the doctrines and all the debates. Oh, God, we've heard them for years and our nation's getting worse. Surely it's the day, and I believe it to be the day, that there's a generation going to burst forth and know what they'll have? The revelation of the heart of the Father for a broken world. That's all they'll have. We're going to tell you something that's going to be enough. The power of the Holy Ghost in lives is the fire burning bright. If it's not, friend, I encourage you this morning, get on fire. Humble ourselves before the great and almighty God and he's going to raise you up this morning. Don't be a... You know, it says he's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You know, the spirit of fear will keep people from pushing through to God. What people think, what men say. The, the fear of man that causes a snare in lives. Oh, I've been up a hundred times. I couldn't care less. Have you been up a million times? And you don't have to come up. You can sit at your seat or kneel at your seat. But in your heart this morning, are you on fire for God? If not, let's get in fire for God. Stir up the gift that's within you. Let's believe God together. Let's pray. Amen. Lord, we wait just in these few moments. Lord, that we humbly bow before you. Realize, Lord, that we ourselves do not have what it takes Lord, to meet the great need of this hour. But Lord, you have everything. And you are everything of what is required to meet the need of the communities that are around us. Lord, you know every heart in this room. You know those that are saved. You know those that are lost. Lord, you know those that are on fire in their hearts for you. And Lord, you know, Lord, those Lord, where the fire is just smoldering embers. Lord, this morning I thank you, Lord, in your mercy. Lord, every time you've acted, Lord, it's always, Lord, to bring your people back. Lord, this morning, Lord, even as we just wait for these few moments, oh God, search our hearts. But Lord, give us the ability, Lord, and give us a Holy Ghost boldness to press through and to stir up the gift of God that is within us. Lord, would you infuse the body of Christ with all the fullness of Jesus, all the graces, all the fruit, all the giftings, all the manifestation of the person of Jesus through the body, that this world would know that these people have been with Jesus. Lord, give us a fervent love one for another. Lord, we pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, Lord, have your way among us. Lord, by thy Holy Spirit, breathe upon this people today, Lord. Breathe upon our hearts again, Lord. Breathe, Lord, that the fire would be quickened, Lord. And Lord, we would be set ablaze for Jesus. Oh God, this morning, Lord, Lord, we know you have a purpose for this land, for Ireland, for north, for south. Lord, even as we look into this week and this shankle, Lord, you have a purpose. Men may say what they say, but, oh God, you've heard the cry of those in tombs, Lord, that cut themselves, are chained, Lord, where the things of this world are broken and have nowhere to turn. Lord, we come, Lord, 
And we go, Lord, not because we want to do something for ourselves, but, oh God, our cry is for a move of the Holy Ghost. Lord, would you ignite this body, every member, young and old, Lord. Lord, we thank you that everyone is crucial, vital to the function of a body. But, oh God, we need to be on fire, every one of us, Lord. Oh, God, we need the fire of God in our hearts, in our bones, Lord. We need a fire in our bellies, Lord. Lord, we need Holy Ghost fire. Lord, you said that we will be baptized with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And, oh, God, we pray for that fire, Lord. Lord, touch us this morning, Lord. Lord, as we wait, Lord, you see, Lord, the great need among us, Lord, the need around us. But, oh, God, we pray, Lord, as you did with the very heart of Jacob all those years ago. Revive us again, Lord. Revive us, O oh God. Put a fire within us, Lord. O oh God, we pray these mercies in the name of Jesus this morning.